Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to New Books in History, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Michael Van of California State University, Sacramento. Today I'm chatting with Jonathan Sandler about the English GI, World War II graphic memoir of a Yorkshire schoolboy's adventures in the United States and Europe. This is an adaptation of his grandfather's experience in World War II. Importantly, his grandfather, Bernard Sandler, was a British citizen of Latvian Jewish descent, but served in the American army. This book is illustrated by Brian Bicknell. Jonathan Sandler studied politics and history at Leicester University and has spent much of his career in the software industry, leading and managing complex projects. Jonathan is a keen sketcher, uh, has always been passionate about World War II history and graphic novels. In 2020, he combined these dual interests and commenced work on the English GI. Uh, this, this memoir of his grandfather, which uh, was published in 2022. Since then, Jonathan has maintained his passion for graphic novels and history by curating a blog on his website, spotlighting authors and books in the genre. Jonathan lives in London with his wife and three children who are active members of Northwest London's Jewish community. Brian Bicknell is a commercial artist and illustrator whose work with comics, graphic novels, television, film, and his work as a co-writer, illustrator, and storyboard and concept artist has appeared in the United States and internationally. Brian founded his own illustration company, Bicknell Designs, in 2008. Brian was classically trained in illustration and graphic design in Boston, Massachusetts, and he claims he can't remember a time when he was not sketching or drawing. Uh, Jonathan Sandler, Jonathan, if I may, welcome to New Books in History. Thank you. Very, very excited to chat to you. Um, and I, I'm excited to chat with you, as I told you, um, uh, about the English GI, World War II graphic memoir of a Yorkshire schoolboy's adventures in the United States and Europe. That'll be, that'll be the last time I do the full title, um, um, because it's such a great historical document, but also uh, it, it's it's such a great passion project. I mean, here's your your father's story, and like you, I really feel like your enthusiasm for for this history and that and you know the family significance for you. Um, before we get into the book, can you tell us a bit about your trajectory um, that led to you um, coming from a career in software to writing a graphic ad- adaptation of your grandfather Bernard's wartime memoir? Well, I think um, looking back on it, um, I, I remember the moment I was watching a World War II in color documentary on Netflix with my son, who was about 10 at the time. He was very curious about what he saw. Um, all four of his great-grandfathers had served in uniform during World War II. Uh, Three of them served in the British Army as doctors, interestingly. Um, And uh, he was always, uh, you know, we're always fascinated by World War II, where, you know, the ordinary people were called upon to do extraordinary things. Um, So I, I remembered that my father's father, he had a very interesting and unusual story, which we'll go into later, um, a story worthy of a book. But he'd, he'd actually self-published his story for friends and family in 1994. Um, so it was on the bookshelf. I wanted to make sure something, I just had this inkling that something needed to be done about it. Now, the other bit of context is this was lockdown. It was uh, COVID, probably the height of COVID in the UK, <laughs> December 2020. So I had a little bit more time on my hands than than I than otherwise. So yeah, yeah those, it, it, that, that 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 was the era. That was the golden era of podcasting too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lots exactly. of us started podcasting, and lots of us started listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, yeah, it's so funny. I was actually listening to a podcast uh, the other day, and um, 
it was uh, he, he he said that um, you know during lockdown uh, cartoonists typically sit in a room and and that's what they do and <laughs> during during lockdown everyone else got to be um, uh, living like cartoonists except <laughs> they weren't making comics <laughs> or, or or historians uh, we all, we spend a lot of time locked in rooms. <laughs> locked in locked in libraries and archives around the world yeah. so I, I, I did spend a lot of time sort of you know in the evenings where we weren't going out or doing anything sort of researching and being locked in the room <laughs> so so he had he had published his memoir in 1994 um this was you know around and you wanted to to yeah give it a bigger it's, audience um, exactly i mean it was very much a self-published book uh for a limited audience it was dusty it was sitting on the bookshelf i just felt when i reread it it's an extraordinary story uh, i need to do something with it yeah. so there's there's you know could it be a film and that was <laughs> could it be a play um could i rewrite the book you know yeah. there was the many options uh, uh that i could do so yeah that was really the so so the Surprise, surprise! Uh, the, the path you took was uh, adapting it into a um, a graphic memoir, um, and I'm, yeah. I'm I'm so happy you used the term graphic memoir. I've been fighting this battle against calling everything uh, a graphic novel because novels are works of fiction, right? Like I I did a graphic history. This is a graphic memoir. Um, uh, Trevor Getz told me to uh, to chill out and just let people call things graphic novels, but no, no, not everything's a novel. So you adapted um, your father's published memoir into this graphic memoir. Um, why Why the comic format? I mean, what did that offer to it's you? From the first day, it's funny you say that about whether you yeah. call it a graphic memoir. I was actually listening to a podcast by Dan Klaus and one of the great artists, and he just hates the term graphic novels, but, you know, he <laughs> says, well, until we come up with a better one, <laughs> it's, 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 and I, I think Scott McLeod, um, he said that what is a graphic novel well it's a comic with a spine that's basically his definition of it so yeah uh, but graphic memoir is definitely becoming a new a new term that's being used for specifically for graphic novels or comics that are essentially memoirs or biographies uh but yeah what what the big question why why did i choose to go for that form well it was a pretty instinctive decision i mean i i'd always been into comics um i had been on a graphic novel writing course maybe you know a comic course about three or four years earlier and i just i think when you, you start a project like that it was an instinctive you know i'm just going to do this and i'm going to start it in a very incremental way i wasn't like well this is going to be a fully published book let's just start let's do a few pages and and and, and sort of see where you go um i bought george takai's they called us enemy about uh, japanese uh internment during world war ii so that was you know i saw that was an option of doing it in, in, in that type of way that was a very accessible book um so my other thoughts were yeah i think if you if i was to have adapted it into a book then realistically there's just so many books out there um People I might give as a present to, to family, close friends, family, they, they may have it and put it on the shelf and never get around to reading it. Whereas um, a graphic novel is is a much more, is a quicker read, ultimately. Um, it's a bit like, uh, again, I was listening to another podcast, someone said, a graphic novel is like a movie. It's, you know, you can read it in an hour and a half, two hours. Bit like a, a bit like a movie and 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 one or maybe one or two sittings so it's very accessible um and it's for a whole uh, you know it's for young 
adults and 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 adults so you know i i don't i think this is pretty universal this book and that's one of the great things about it so accessibility um and novelty originality yeah i just there's not many uh graphic novels have been written about world war ii and i'll probably come on to that a bit later um so yeah i did think there was a market for it Mm -hmm. great yeah yeah and and i mean i've always been of the opinion that um you know the best sort of graphic genre is a story that really has a hook that uh that 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 it does something really unexpected and your grandfather's life uh life is is very unexpected in this way um so would you um give us the the short version of your grandfather's experience um uh up to the point of becoming uh the uh this the english gi i mean he's he's the british son uh british citizen of of latvian jewish immigrants um uh who by chance wound up in the american army so so without how did this come to be yeah Yeah. the the short story is simple i mean he um firstly he grew up in in northern england in a um his his father had emigrated also when he was 17 uh from latvia to england and he, uh, they led a very, I would say, middle class, um, comfortable upbringing in Northern England um, in the 1920s and 1930s. Um, in 1939, he was at a school called Leeds Grammar School. They were doing a trip to the United States and Canada, which seems quite extraordinary, really, that they were traveling that far. But there was, I think it was maybe 17 or 18 kids from across the north of England went on this trip. And um, yes, yeah, it was, it was, they, they, they left on August, 1939 and they had a great time. And then they were due to come back on the third or the 4th of September, uh, 1939. And of course that was when Neville Chamberlain declared war um, and uh, the Queen Mary ship, which was due to sail on was not traveling. So he was stuck in New York. And uh, so this essentially, this not book tells a story from, how this 17-year-old navigated his way from young schoolboy coming of age to becoming an adult. So there's lots of ups and downs during the story, but essentially he does join the U.S. Army um, later on in the book. And drafted in, right? I mean, it's drafted in, yeah. yeah even yeah. though even though he's a, um, a British uh, national. How, how old was he in 1939? So 1939, he was 16. He would have been 17 on the October 1939. So yeah. So when he so, gets he, he yeah. gets stuck there, he he he, he there's uh, family relations or the family friends or family uh, family friends that he friends. doesn't know too well, but they yeah. took him they took him on, and that was they were an academic couple uh, in their early 40s, late 30s, early 40s. We'd had a young son who was about three, so they lived in a. And he uh, he was a teacher at a school in 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 Chelsea, Manhattan. So they 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 didn't have a lot of uh, income. The this 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 family, but they they took him on, and, and it was it was a really it was a must have been an awkward situation. But yeah, that was and, that. Was, and there's I mean there's that period there where the, the uh, Britain well, Nazi Germany has invaded Poland, st- uh, starting the war. Britain and France have have jumped in, but the United States isn't going to enter the war for uh, until the end of 1941. And so he's he's stuck. He can't get back. Yeah, uh, he lives with the family. He enrolls in local high school, 
finishes his degree. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, we, we always look back so oh, well, America will join the war two years later. We didn't know at the time. No, <laughs> no, didn't know that at the time. And, 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 and people like Charles Lindbergh had different ideas, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. um, it, it was a very precarious time. Um you know, in the United States, I'd, I'd be keen to understand more of the history around that time. The Bund yeah. was was on the rise mm-hmm. in the US, and um, yeah, it could have gone either way. Um, so, and of course, it could have gone either way in um, the Battle of Britain of 1940. So, he didn't know if he was going to see his parents again. It was a very precarious time, uh, a lot of uncertainty. Um, so, but the other bit of context was obviously, if he'd been back in, in Britain, you know that they were they were on the war front in the u.s life was uh relatively comfortable you know it wasn't a war situation so it was safe yeah yeah and so he's, he's going through high school graduates high school goes on to goes on to college and then um japanese bomb pearl harbor uh fdr declares war on nazi germany uh there's the draft and so he how does how does he get drafted? I mean, he's a, he's a British well, citizen, it's interesting. right? Yeah. So it's a bit of a security. So so I've done quite a bit of research on yeah. other contemporaries. Yeah, he was born in 1922. So it's almost like if you were born in 1922 and 23, you almost had this route, this pathway. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were he was they had a number of drafts. So he was drafted along with quite a depending on your birth date. So 30th of June, 1942. He drafted. It was he was actually doing a summer job in Washington D.C. at the time, um, but then he went back to his life. Um, he was then enrolled in the U.S. He joined the U.S. Army in March 1943 to do, to do his basic training. He went to Fort Dix, um, and interestingly, at the end of the 12 week training, he sat some exams, and he passed those exams. And the U.S. government had a program called the Army Specialized Training Program, called the ASTP. And 100,000 people were enrolled in 100 universities and colleges across the U.S. And the U.S. government wanted to train more engineers. And he was part of this cadre. And uh, this was, I suppose, this this group of people were not expecting to go into to, to battle <laughs> they were expecting to become engineers i think the government wanted them to clean up the mess in japan and germany after the war i think that was mm. so um yeah he had a good time he went to to various uh, colleges um you know, i think it was in in vermont but the 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 interesting thing is um that cadre of people had a shared experience um the people that were in the stp was sort of gliding along and then in march february time march 1944 u.s government basically they'd run out of troops um so the astp was disbanded and they all i think the vast majority of that hundred thousand ended up on the front lines in battle so so Um, these guys that have been given this high level education training to be engineers are certainly you know it put put down the the compass and the slide rule and put on your boots you're going to where was that tennessee well they they, or, they, they or, weren't all immediately going yeah. into battle a lot of them joined uh they're, to, they're, they're thrown into the infantry right uh, yeah exactly and there was yeah. a real culture shock and there's quite a yeah. lot of, yeah a lot of um i mean yeah so there was quite a uh, i mean i've probably read a dozen 
also biographies or skim through biographies of, of people. So, I mean, such people as Bob Dole, um, the, the the famous, uh, he was former U.S. presidential candidate, Bob Dole, Senator Dole, he was one of them. Mel Brooks, the comedian, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he was also. Uh, Ed Koch, former mayor of New York, uh, yeah. Gore Vidal, um, the artist Roy Lichtenstein. I mean, the list goes on, actually. There is some really um, able people that uh, were on uh, that were in this program and they ended up uh so he he ended up in 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 his in his training i think he went down to fort knox it's in the book and then ultimately you know that that's that for the pathway to um to battle but just on that subject of the yeah. astp whilst i'm there since i've uh, published the book I've, I've noticed there's so many memoirs of people that were in the astp and there was an article um written by somebody um, called Tom Kelly for Drexel University for his alumni magazine. And he, he made the observation that there seems to be a lot of memoirs written by people that were in the ASTP. I mean, there was, you know, it was maybe a hundred thousand, but there were 60 million people that ultimately were in the U S uh, armed forces during world war II. But we, so I think, us, you know, and I also wrote a similar blog about it. We sort of theorized that maybe, the reasons were they were able people they ended up going on to have successful lives um which gave them the economic means to write memoirs um but they also had quite an interesting story uh because they went from one extreme to the other and there was a there was a sense of betrayal um amongst some of these people they 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 didn't they were thrown from one end to the other i didn't get it so much across in my grandfather's book he he, he just put a line together um you know, something about, well, this is a huge about turn by the US government. You know, this was in their wisdom, this was the right things. But yeah, it's very difficult, you know, to plan in the war. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but no, yeah. I was, I, I was so yeah. struck with that just in terms of, you know, uh, but be really banal about it in terms of labor management. Here you got your best and your brightest. You've been training them for uh, this very high level desk work um, and abrupt change and they're getting thrown in the infantry, which is, um, you know, with all due respect, um, not, not, uh, it's, it's, it's a much lower level of training and, uh, run, runs the potential for being used as cannon fodder. Um, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it, it must've been was, such a cultural was, shock, as you said. There was a whisper of, I think there was an election coming up or it, there, there was, there was certainly some congressional districts felt that the, um, the people in the ASTP were being mollycoddled a little bit. So, you know, there was a bit of that may have influenced the decision. I don't know, but there's, there's, there's certainly, it's a topic I've certainly didn't know anything about before I wrote this book, yeah, but yeah. it's just, you know, when I read it, you know, I just, I didn't have a huge amount of interest in it, but then when I read the other memoirs, everybody had exactly the same story. It sort of built up a bit of a, um, there was a commonality there so mm. yeah so so um yeah that's um that, that that was sort of he he had as we see in the book there are lots of ups and downs and then and then of course you know he he will enter the the, the action in in europe in, in 44 yeah but you know before we get into uh when you when they're deployed to europe um meanwhile human lives go on and i think what's really wonderful about your uh this book is is the way that he's he's it's so humanized and it, it reminds me well i mean that you know sort of the ur text of, of mouse where in the the this larger horror of the show of the holocaust and world war ii you're you're following 
these individuals' lives. And um, Bernard is, is is falling in love and courting the woman that will become his wife, um, uh, who's an American, right? That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, my, my grandmother was, was uh, her family originally came from Austria. Um, they emigrated to New York in sort of the early part of the 20th century and started out on the Lower East Side, which uh, a lot of um, immigrants from the Austro-Hungarian Empire, Jewish immigrants did. Um, but uh, yeah, they they, she, they they fell in love. And New York's, I mean, one of the things I wanted to try and get across, not only he fell in love with my grandmother, but he fell in love with New York. Yeah, and and, yeah. and, and the, this was a time to be in New York. So, you know, he, although he was sort of in this uh, situation, he wouldn't have chosen you know, he, he had to, uh, to take advantage of the situation. So he goes, he discovers Broadway, he discovers jazz, he discovers the multicultural city where he, I, I doubt he'd seen many uh, African American or, or black people. Um, you know, he, he, he's living in New York and it is a really multicultural environment, you know, the, the most he's seen. So, uh, and, and there's just so much to discover and, and it, and it, it formed his outlook for the rest of his life. He became, where, you know, his political views were very much to the left. Um, as a result of this, his his he became a big. You know, he 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 became uh, commercially successful in his in his business life. So he dedicated a lot of his time to the arts uh, in later life, and um, his you know, he had a lifelong passion for the theatre, and and that was formed during that time in in the early 1940s in new york so one of the things i wanted you know this wasn't just a this is a world war ii story but it's about being in new york during that time and just the yeah yeah but it it, it, it reminds me so much of some of these really interesting um biographies in the field of world history that are coming out where they're finding like uh an individual character uh susan colley a great historian of the british empire has a book on elizabeth marsh who was um uh, uh a young um possibly mixed race mixed race british woman who um uh was born on a ship between jamaica and the united kingdom wound up um uh, uh living with the naval her navy family in in majorca and then was taken prisoner by moroccan pirates and then uh went on to india and and it has like she's just this one individual whose life is shaped by the British Empire in ways that are are really quite surprising. And I think that this uh this story is such a great example of um following these these intricacies and in these details and these these stories that we're not as familiar with in, in World War II by following this one individual's life. So I, I, anyway, I I I I think it's just such a great work of history in, in that regard. But anyway, getting back to uh the narrative. So um they're mobilized to Europe in in 1944, and he sees combat in um, in Lorraine, um, the part of Alsace Lorraine, that infamous territory that gets, you know, every schoolboy knows gets bounced back and forth between France and Germany from 1870 1944. So tell tell us about the the campaign and his his experience. Yeah, I mean, we we always associate. We, we associate uh, Alsace Lorraine with yeah with the with the First World War. Um, again, I didn't know too much about this campaign, so. He was um, he he left um, New York City on the twenty seventh of August, nineteen forty four. Uh, there were the first infantry troops to sail directly from the U.S. Uh, to uh, Europe. Was, he was part of the twenty sixth division, um, 
And and that in itself must have been spectacular. This armada of a hundred ships leaving New York City, and I hopefully capture some of that in the book. Um, but they they arrive in in Normandy. It was after it was September nineteen forty four. D Day had happened, and 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 the first few weeks um, were were relatively quiet. Um, yeah, Paris had fallen, um, but they uh, eventually move over to the the Lorraine. Um, Paris Paris had been liberated. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Paris had been liberated. The fall was 1940. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Paris had been liberated. Excuse me. Excuse me. That's a, um, so yeah, but Paris had been liberated. So so there was a sense the war was being won or, or was coming to a conclusion. Um, but they were he his division, the 26th, joined up with Patton's third mm. army. And they were, you know, it was a it was a brutal uh couple of months. Um and and it went on, you know, to the butt, but this was sort of the, the time leading up to the Battle of the Bulge. But, but you know, what I wanted to get across is just, it was just the conditions were terrible. So they, in November, 1944, they just had more rain that month than they'd ever had. It was just the, the circumstances. And, and again, uh, the US Army um, had given them the best military equipment um, and that helped them win the war. But what the U.S. Army had failed to do was provide enough galoshes, a waterproof equipment. And there was an epidemic of trench foot. Um, my grandfather ultimately suffered from trench foot. Um, and then when I read all these other memoirs, they all had the same thing. Um, and at the time, trench foot wasn't considered to be a proper injury. Yeah, it was just ah, it's just yeah. It's just I think I think you cited a um, sort of a snotty uh, uh, article where someone said no purple hearts for purple feet. Exactly. I think it was an article in the Stars and Stripes newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly. That's what it said. No purple. And uh, yeah. So so it's just interesting how these little things. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure again planning and management. <laughs> For the U.S. Army, they had they said the best equipment, but not 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 the um, not enough waterproof equipment. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. But that that section reminded me so much of uh, the work of Paul Fussell, uh, the Great War and Modern Memory, and then I forget the the name of his um, his second book on World War II, which was um, which was subject to a fair amount of criticism. But the banality of war, and um, I mean, it, yeah, there's this condescending article in Stars and Stripes about trench foot, but like you could lose your feet. Like this is this. I mean, you 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 could this could uh, leave you severely disabled. Um, and it's but it's such a banal thing, um, being stuck it, in these, it, these exactly. And he and he actually had quite a long long recovery as a result of it, which in some ways was fortunate for him because that that meant that um, he he you know he 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 was only in the theater of war for maybe four or five weeks. Um, yeah, yeah, he was in the but, army for quite a long time, but that yeah. that was. The- and and had a fairly harrowing experience um, as as you described. So I mean, I think the book is really frank about um, both the bravery, but also the fear and dread um, of yeah. of combat. And I was curious about how you how how your grandfather presents that in the memoir, and then how how you went about sort of translating that and and capturing that balance uh, between bravery and dread, shall we say? Yeah, he he. Um... So, firstly, um, my grandfather wrote his memoir in '94, so that that's my primary source. And you know, up to that point in in history, 
the memoirs, the history was written by the people that were the generals. Um, so we saw, uh, you know, he was, yeah, and also the, the, the veterans of World War II, you know, most, most people went back to work and the greatest generation, as we call them, and you know, they had their day jobs, their families, and they, they wanted to get on with life. So nobody had written memoirs, that memoirs of what I call the citizen soldier memoir, the ordinary soldier memoir, that that sort of, so he was probably one of the early ones writing it in 94, but there was, you know, since that point around sort of the 2000, year 2000 mark, um, as they were sort of entering their 70, yeah, they would be 75 years old, um, a lot more memoirs came out. And a lot of these memoirs are pretty, you know, you know, yeah. The occasional one talk about the camaraderie and the, you know, how, how what a great time they had. But I think actually those who served on the front lines and and actually not that many. I think maybe one million out of sixteen million uh, U.S. Armed Forces were actually served in combat. Um, so those that actually were in didn't romanticize the war i think it was it there was nothing other than the a brutal reality he hated it and i so so from from to answer the question for for me um i just wanted to, i wanted to remain faithful to his words um and really just get across that this is just this is just yeah there's nothing fun about it yeah it was just describing the day-to-day -day, the mundanity of it there was a lot of waiting around um and you know there was just you just wanted it to be over that was that was nothing yeah, yeah. Com combat's been described as uh, a tedium punctuated by moments of sheer terror um and i mean again remind me so much of paul fussell's work um so how this is a, a an important theme in the book and i, I think that the book could be put in several different categories of, you know, it's, it's World War II history, it's a memoir, it's also a contribution to Jewish history. And how important was his Jewish identity in to his experience of World War II? Uh, you have a section where um, there's, there's a moment of anxiety as uh, they come closer to combat with German troops. Um, so could, could you reflect on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so I, as, um, you know, very much um, an active member of the Jewish community, I wanted the Jewishness of the book to, to at least come out. Um, my grandfather was very much an active Jew all of his life. Um, I, if I'm being honest, from his memoir, he didn't he didn't get too much of that across. I think you know, as a Jewish person, you can be a little bit invisible to it. I think um, he uh, you know he he was also an outsider being a British person, <laughs> being in the U.S. Army. Never mind being a Jew. Um, so I. Um, this is where I went for some other sources. There was a couple of, uh, just to, to give the book a bit more richness, there was one was the memoir written by somebody called Robert Kotlovitz. Robert Kotlovitz became, he wrote a very good memoir um, in the mid 2000s, um, he called Before Their Time. And he served in the 26th Infantry, pretty much his story. It mirrored my grandfather's, he was in the, he was in the ASTP. <laughs> He, he went, he sailed on the 27th of August. Yeah, every, I think he got injured with trench foot. Every, everything in, in the story was the same. Um, but he he wrote in his memoir how his, his anxiety about having a dog tag uh, that said H on it. Now, I don't know if my grandfather did have a dog tag that said H on it. I'm pretty sure he would have done. 
what were the options? It was very interesting uh, in doing the research that there was the there were three options. It was P for Protestant, C for Catholic, or H for Jewish. Those are the only three options. Um, so some people may have lied or, or decided they want to be, even if they were Jewish, put P or C, just to because the biggest fear was if you got captured um by the nazis um and you had an h for hebrew on it you know you could you know that that wasn't a good place to be um and then some said well why did, you know you could maybe get rid of your dog tags that was even the worst thing was to get rid of your dog tags because then they would have thought you were a spy uh or something to hide so there must have been an anxiety there um and there were a lot of uh jewish prisoners of war um taken but i think by the end of the war, I think a lot of them did did survive because by that point, you know, the the, the uh, Germans were not in a position to um, uh, do what they would have liked. Um, so that was one story, and the other one was uh, there was another um, set of letters published by Benjamin Kaplow, uh, who was a, who was um, uh, a soldier again at the same time, and he he wrote one of his letters about um, services, which I found really interesting. They had Jewish New Year services um in september 1944 uh and i just thought well, this, 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 i couldn't believe that they that the u.s army um had jewish services um at that time i, I just thought that was quite remarkable i don't think the british army would have done they did have a prayer book i know they had chaplains but just i thought that was quite forward-looking mm. <laughs> at the time so i really wanted to capture that scene i mean that would have been quite a moving scene and there is also a scene of him having uh the jewish new year earlier on in the book so that that sort of is is, is quite um uh poignant so yeah those are the two stories i wanted to make sure that they're in the book um but overall from a personal point of view um i wanted to make sure that you know this is very much a jewish story um the jewish contribution to the uh, allied effort was 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 quite significant and sometimes people forget about it so this was a, a nice reminder of that yeah and in the the end of the book there's 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 um short essays you give some context uh both about the uh, about the war but also about um uh, your grandfather bernard's life and 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 after the war as, as you've mentioned he, he was successful in, in business and and successful in the arts and uh in theater and became friends with uh, Roald Dahl. and when i saw that i was like oh no uh oh <laughs> where's this going and you include this moment where um your father broke with him and they were they were they were close friends correct yeah i think they were they were business acquaintances but acquaintances, they were yeah. i mean they had each other over for for, for dinner so i suppose mm -hmm. that's so so they they um my grandfather had eaten in roald doll's house roald doll had eaten in his house so so that was you know you know they would phone each other up um it was it was when i say business it was you know in the they were both in the theater world so um roald doll famously wrote uh there was an interview in 1983 with a uh, a magazine in the UK called The New Statesman, and Roald Dahl uh, said that Jews didn't fight in the Second World War for the Allies, which was a complete fabrication. Um, you know, if he'd written, if he'd said that nowadays, that would have just, you know, in the world of Twitter and what have you, I'm sure that would have been bigger. But you know, it just sort of, he, 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 yeah, it was it was a disgraceful moment, really. And, and my grandfather, uh, yeah, he he said, I, I don't know how a man of your intelligence can say something 
so um so stupid really so that that broke them off um so yeah there was i i wanted to use so so the graphic novel um is there it covers the war years um and um i when i read a book i don't know about you but when i read a book or i watch a film i'm always on wikipedia i'm always wanting to find out more information especially if it's a biopic so it was my own book um so i i felt that you know i published this myself i wanted to really include every every reference uh, every bit of information you know some readers may choose to not to not to go there but at least it's there it's all in there so it's it's, well, I, it's I, I thought i thought it was fabulous and encourage everybody to read all of it and um you know as a historian i this is this is sort of the the add-on work that you did that i think just is great for his yeah, his memoir exactly because you you watch films or you graphic novels and sometimes you know for for um poetic license you have to do certain things yep. just to make it flow but then yeah at the end well this is actually yeah the explanation for it i i, I think that adds a adds a bit of a layer right and um one of the things that you did with uh with the book is um you you have these references to the jewish latvian heritage throughout the mm -hmm. book and um uh cover a point where um your grandfather and your great-grandfather make a make a trip to to visit latvia and this is they have to cross through nazi germany and this is in was in 36 37 1937 yeah so I mean, geez and then and then and then also at the uh towards the end of the book you you talk about um the extended family and their experience in the shoah and um and moments of reuniting with uh with survivors i mean i, I thought both of those were just so fascinating because it, it gives this larger context both within the 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 family history of this diasporic family but also in in the nature of um world war ii and um things going on in multiple fronts and, and these these real i mean really horrifying real life consequences for these extended families indeed i mean it, it was it was a room i mean you know world war ii there's all these parallel stories for, for some families happening at the same time so my 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 grandfather's father was was in England. Um, he 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 had a son fighting for the U.S. Army. Um, he had his two brothers. Two of his brothers were fighting for the Red Army, <laughs> for the Russian Red Army. Um, his mother was um, sent to the uh, to the gulags. Um, and unfortunately, some uh, is 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 his sister-in-law, um, and his uh, a niece and a nephew unfortunately perished in the in in, in the Shoah. So there was a lot happening. Yeah, just 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 just, just to, to 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 underline that there, part one member of the family gets sent uh, to Stalin's gulags uh, for various repression in in uh, Soviet-occupied Latvia, right? And then on the other side of the the political line of totalitarian horror, members of the family are perishing in the Shoah. Um, I mean, it's that is it is just so. I, I I don't know quite how to put that in words, like how personally and historically powerful that that is. Yeah, I mean, it's the the, the so my grandfather, uh, or oh, sorry, my would have been my great grandfather. He left Latvia in 1910 and i think once you leave uh, you, you leave and and he 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 was very fortunate he, he assimilated into british life and he he, you know, he loved he loved britain and he, he made a successful life for him and and 
you know, there was no real going back, but he left his mother and two brothers behind and, and the various family. And I think, you know, he was in contact. He would send parcels over. But in 1937, he decided this was time to, to make that trip back. It hadn't been in 20s. And this is captured in the book. And the aim of that trip was to bring them back to England, but they they refused. They they thought they were better off, and and actually, remarkably, um, they did. Uh, his his mother, who was um, so she she survived. Um, she went to the Gulags. They were treated apparently okay, and and she came back after the war. And there is two pictures. Uh, there's two photographs of the family, one before the war, one after the war, and you can see how much she's aged in the photo but it's still a remarkable thing that she survived and and my grandfather bernard he he went to visit that family in latvia in 1995 i think um sort of to square the circle <laughs> um and um yeah it's 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 just a you know it was you know this is mainly a world war ii book about his time in, as, a, as, a, as a gi but i wanted to make sure that 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 thread was still still in the book yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I thought that really added so much to it. And again, it's just this this diasporic family, this this individual who's caught up in the these winds of history, these forces that are, you know, outside of his control. Um, I was wondering if you could say a few, uh, maybe say something about his name. I mean, Bernard was not his first name, right? So he he was always known as Bernard. He was actually named uh-huh. Carl, um, which was considered to be a German name when he Ka- grew up. Carl, yeah. Um, and well, it is a German name. So in 1930s, uh, England, it wasn't a great idea having a name like Carl. So they, he was just known as Bernard after that. And, and dropped, dropped the Carl for the middle name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we talked a bit about um, identity and, and the diasporic nature. I mean, it, I was going to ask you more about that, but is there anything else that you wanted to, to say about that? What, 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 do you, what did you want to do with the book in regards to issues of identity? Um, I think, yeah, in terms of identity, uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've talked about the Jewish aspect. I think there's the, you know, know, for me, it's Jewish, British and American. I've I've covered covered those three areas. He he has to become an American citizen at one point. Yeah, yeah. And Did he he maintain that citizenship? He did, he did. did, But he he chose ultimately to to live in, in England. Um, at the conclusion of the war, um, he was too close to his family. Um, they 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 visited quite a lot, but yeah, England was his home. Um, and he, 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 he married a sweetheart from New York, who becomes yeah. your grandmother, right? And, yeah, and, uh, and they, they, they moved they, to England. They moved back to England, and and a lot of yeah, that's that. There was just this. He had this huge bond with his family, um, and he missed his family. He hadn't seen them in in five or six years, and you know, sometimes it's not so much the happy ending. You know, after you know all that period apart, you you don't go back to each other. You, it, it's that separation's too much. But in this case, um, he he just seamlessly went back into that life, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's um, that's the story. Yeah, you know, as as the father of a teenager, I can't imagine my my child, you know, <laughs> on yeah. on on a three week vacation, suddenly being trapped on the other side of the world and eventually serving in another country's armed force. I mean, it's a, 
really really just such a fascinating I think story that's, that's what the you know world war ii just there's just so there's yeah. still so many stories we're just still discovering um um just order about ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances and this is why it's just another one of those stories that um i felt that i want to be captured for a wider audience yeah yeah um if um i don't know if you're familiar with um uh, shigeru mizuki's um uh showa no, oh, not yeah. to be confused with Showa. Showa. Um, his his history Excellent of book. Yeah. Japan and World War II, and the um, the way he brings his own life into it, and the the insights into everyday experience of the war. I mean, just absolutely, yeah. um, oh, absolutely book. stunning achievement. It's that everyday, you know, what, what people were doing with their everyday lives. That's that that's for me. What you know, you, you we we've read enough history about the politics of it but it's yeah. just just the you know how do people feel what do they do with their, their lives and that's why you know, these graphic novels can can really bring that up about yeah yeah and I, I think i think the english gi is just a great contribution to that um could, could you talk say a few words about working with your illustrator um and oh, yeah. your, the process and the technique because that's um for those of us who aren't artists and uh i mean i i've i've done this and it's how, how did you do it <laughs> Yeah, I'd never done it before. Um, so it was all experimentation. So the way in which I work, firstly, I found Brian. I I, I was went to a website and I had about 50 or 60 people applied. I, I, I said I wanted to work collaboratively with an artist, uh, but have the final say. That didn't necessarily suit everyone, um, but Brian definitely wanted to be part of the project. What I would do, I wanted to protect his time. Um, so I would research and mine the internet for photos of whether it be 1940s new york or world war ii or you know i really wanted to get the details i wanted you know if you went to fort dix i want to i want photos of fort dix i want what the insides of the buildings look like um if you went to new york you went to this synagogue in new york and one scene or this hotel i want the, what do the light fittings look like and that's you know quite common with graphic novels people people want that authenticity and that's certainly what i wanted so um we had a lot of uh photos to to go through and um what i would then do was sketch out the scenes um myself um my art isn't quite good enough uh, for what i wanted so but it but what it allowed me to do was not just send him the photographs but actually um by drawing it, it made me understand what it's like for the illustrator and gives me a bit of perspective about how it how it should look like. So I sketched out a lot of the scenes um, and then I gave it to Brian and then Brian basically made it better. <laughs> um, and we, we, we the way in which we work, we just did page by page uh, sort of chronologically. And I felt I was almost living, living my grandfather's war experiences as a, the, the actual journey and experience in creating the, the graphic novel was was quite important to me and, you know, I wanted to really enjoy the actual project itself rather than just getting to the end uh, and then of course once we get to the end then we you, know, you start the editing process and but um one thing I I one of the, the discoveries um that I wanted to highlight was um there was a soldier called Victor Lundy who's now he's still alive he's 100 years old lives in Bel Air in Houston um and he again he was in the 26th division. He served in the ASTP. <laughs> same story, born in 1922. Pretty much the same story as my grandfather. Went on the same boat, got injured at the same time. Victor Lundy, um, and now became a very famous architect. 
he sketched out his entire war. He has got these incredible sketchbook um, that is now, he actually donated it to the Library of Congress. Um, so the front cover of the book is um, not the background, but the two soldiers looking out to see that that was that was a real live sketch. He took 26th of, uh, or it says 26th of August, uh, looking out to sea just before they they set out. Um, and you know what great what greater source material? So he had the source materials of the memoirs, but this was a this was a live sketchbook of source material, and 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 you know yeah, that was great for the artist as well. It was just wonderful to have this um this this uh, sketchbook, and um, yeah, there's been maybe three or four books written about Victor Lundy and his and his World War Two experience. Um, uh, there's YouTube videos, uh, really interesting man as i said still alive celebrated his 100th birthday in january actually it was january uh he was born december uh, january 2023 yeah yeah those in in working with the illustrator finding those historic documents uh just you, you can do such amazing things um and at the end of the book you include a number of photographs and family photographs some um, why were these important why did you want to include them so i again i i think the, the the end of the book is you know you you read the graphic novel you know if you don't know my grandfather he's you know this this person that that becomes schoolboy to soldier to you know this coming of age story and i i think it's always you know again it's the going back to the wikipedia you want to see what 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 do they look like in real life what you know so most of the people that are are mentioned in the book are are photographed um and uh, again, you know, I, I had the photos of his of, of of the Latvian family that were mentioned in the book. That that was really important for me. And, and there's also uh, images of the Victor Lundy sketches um, that I wanted to get across. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I I, I love that kind of stuff personally, and just just seeing looking at their faces and contemplating uh, them, and um, and, and exactly. you include some of the images from from uh, from Latvia. The uh, family from Latvia as well, which uh... yeah, I mean, I, there, there was I was in two minds. There was a part of me that was thinking, and I know there's 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 no right answer. There's there's some graphic novels um, that include real photographs, you know, as they go through the book. Um, I just decided, you know, what, I'm just going to keep keep the graphic novel as a graphic novel, and then have the photographs at the back. Um, keep it keep it separate. So you've been really generous with your time, but I've got two questions before I let you go. These are the the standard uh, new books debriefing questions. Um, uh, first, can you suggest two books for the audience? Um, this could be on anything, but uh, I know you keep a blog about graphic novels and graphic memoirs. Um, uh, maybe something that you can recommend. Sure. Um, well, as a w w first book I want to spotlight is written by somebody called Andre Fratino. He published a World War II graphic novel called Tokyo Rose uh, last year, uh, and it tells the story of Eva Taguri. She was a Japanese-American woman visiting her relatives in Tokyo shortly before the attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh, and then she was trapped in Japan. Um, she refused to renounce her American citizenship, and she was forced to take a radio, a job with Radio Tokyo hosting Zero Hour as a propaganda broadcast aimed at demoralizing the American troops. Um, and she became known as Tokyo Rose. Um, she eventually went back to the United States and was not treated very well. Um, so Andrew Fratino wanted to capture this story into a graphic novel. And again, I, I highly recommend it. Um, the second one um, is 
called Through Their Eyes, A Graphic History of Hill 70 and Canada's First World War. It's written by somebody called Matthew Barrett. Matthew Barrett is a historian uh, and a graphic novelist. Um, and he, he's, he's got, he holds a PhD in history from Queen, Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Um, and he wrote a full color graphic or wrote and illustrated a full color graphic novel that depicts the Canadian victory at Vimy Ridge in 1917. Um, so yeah, both those books uh, come recommended. Great. Um, and I'm, I'm going to take some liberties and throw one in here on the theme of um, graphic history and British Jewish history. And that's uh, Ronald Schechter's um, Mendoza the Jew, Boxing, Manliness and Nationalism, a graphic history. And this is about uh, Mendoza, the, the great uh, um, uh, British heavyweight champion um, at the start of the 19th century who um, uh, was uh, from a Sephardic uh, East London family. Oh, yes. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I've, I've, uh, at um, University of London, Queen Mary, um, uh, there's a, which is part of the campus is on, is on a, a, is a Jewish graveyard. There's, there's a plaque to him. Uh, and I think he's, he's buried there. And um, Ronald Schechter does so much with the way in which um uh, Mendoza challenged uh, Britishness and and forced uh, forced a, a larger thinking of what it meant to be to be a Britisher in this time period. Um, and again, it's a it's a graphic history. It's in the Oxford series. Liz Clark did an amazing job illustrating mm -hmm. that because she's yeah. she's a genius. Um, yeah. But but I'm biased there. <laughs> um, and then um, finally, what are you working on now, and and what can we hope to see from you next? So yeah, I, I always said when I finished the the book, I wanted uh, and then finished the sort of the promotional stuff. I wanted to just dis, to spend a year, two years, just reading and enjoying other graphic novels um, and World War II books. I, I don't exclusively read graphic novels, and there's just so much out there, um, really, to to discover. And um, so you know, to to sort of channel that, I I've started a blog on my website, graphicmemoir.co.uk. Um, indeed, your own book was featured <laughs> on, on that. Uh, that's how we connected. Um, and there are many, uh, there are just so many out there. Um, there are so many, on the sense, I can't really keep up, but I would say that there's still a fraction of the graphic novels compared to the, you know, the wider history book. So I think mm -hmm. there is, it is, it's still a very much a niche market. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I still, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I feel there is still um, uh, a gap in the market in terms of there isn't that many um, graphic novels um, associated with the uh, British and American uh, troops who served. There's a lot of memoirs, a lot of written memoirs, but not graphic memoirs. Um, really, uh, so I, in fact, I, I, I'm interested in the, I'm, I'm reading... Uh, Jack Kirby's uh, biographic biography by Tom Scioli uh, that came out a couple of years ago, um, which is really the the life story of, of 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 Jack Kirby. And in that book, it actually documents his um, World War II experience, which is really interesting. Um, and it just it just it just struck me that's yeah, it's another it's 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 another book about um, uh, World War II that's a graphic novel. And as, as I said, there's not too many of those. So yeah. It, what, what in terms of my next project, I, I think it will probably be some somewhere along the lines of uh, about a soldier from World War II, but haven't yet, haven't yet uh, got to that point. Excellent. Well, we can and, and we can follow uh, your your journey on 
graphicmemoir.co.uk? That's right. And okay. I'm on Twitter as uh, uh, at jsandler1978. That's my Twitter handle. Okay, excellent. Well, um, Jonathan, thank you so much for chatting with, with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having the, Thanks for the time. Yeah. So this has been a conversation with Jonathan Sandler about the English GI, World War II graphic memoir of a Yorkshire schoolboy's adventures in the United States and Europe, an adaptation of his father's experience in World War II, illustrated by Brian Bicknell. This has been an episode of New Books in History, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Michael Van of Sacramento State University. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>